0: From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up for Monday, November the 6th, 2017. I don't have the temperature up. Let me tell you what the temperature is, folks. It is, this is the weirdest intro of my lifetime, but I do not have the weather app up. 60, exactly 60 degrees. There you go, exactly 60 degrees. In the Swamps, we welcome in It's it's time, first of all, to talk college basketball, and to do that, we welcome a man who helped me with the Baker Dunleavy uh, Quinnipiac men's basketball interview earlier this summer, summer, Dylan Fearin, who is the beat reporter for Q30 television on the campus of Quinnipiac University in Hamden, Connecticut. He also did something that I give him a lot of credit for. He covered a team, did his studies, and ran cross-country, all as an undergrad. That is tough to do. So kudos to you, and welcome to Teeing It Up.
1: Jeremy, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, you gave me too much credit for the cross country, not that big of a deal. But uh, I will talk college basketball to anyone at any time, so it's, uh, it's good to be honest.
0: Let me ask you this about cross country. Every runner I've seen, cross country runner, and maybe I'm stereotyping a whole sport, which is why I'm asking this question, is really, really thin. I've never seen that like, and and obviously fat people, you know, would have trouble with their stamina. But I'm saying like you don't see like 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 built muscular people running cross country. Have I just stereotyped the whole sport, or am I on to something? No, no, you're de- no, definitely on to something.
1: Uh, you know, weight is a big part. I mean, you're, if you're a little heavier, you're going to be carrying uh, you know a bigger load, and uh, you need to get to a certain from point A to point B in a certain amount of time. So uh, the slimmer. The slimmer you are, and, and even shorter people are, are going to be better uh, than, than taller people uh, at the majority of the time. But yeah, so yeah definitely on a summer. You're not, you're not crazy.
0: And is the reason why you, so many of you guys train shirtless for sweat reasons to have less weight on your body? Is it to tan in the summer? What's the reason why so many of you guys uh, train shirtless?
1: The tanning, tanning is huge, it's huge beach season, but um, you know, it, it gets hot in the summertime and you want to take a shirt off, you don't want to sweat through a shirt or whatever and it's just uncomfortable when it's 90 in July and you're putting it in a 10 mile run or something, so yeah, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll take the shirt off a little bit and, and guess, uh, you know, again, the tan uh, isn't bad either.
0: I usually ask first time guests a really random question at the end of the show, I wound up doing it tonight on the start of the show. So on that note, we transition from uh, from from the outside to the inside. As those who listened uh, to the Baker Dunleavy interview um, will know, um, this team is basically in a rebuilding process. You lose Peter Kiss, you lose Mikey Dixon, you go through a regime change, you go through a team that had a bunch of transfers, and um, he may not call it rebuilding, but, but but let's face it, there's a reason why this team was picked last in the MAC. Um, you've been there at practice. You've talked to these guys. What's the mood? Well, the mood is, you
1: know, it almost seems like they're just playing with nothing to lose. I mean, you said it, 11th in the MAC preseason poll, so in the eyes of all the coaches, they're not expected to do anything. Uh, and you're right about rebuilding in, in a way. Ten wins last year, you lose your two best players. You lose five guards and your second-best big man and a brand-new coaching staff, yeah, things are going to be uh, in a bit of of a rebuilding stage. But uh, the mindset for for these guys is that uh, let's just go out and play and and, and not worry about uh, what anyone's saying, you know, what we're saying. Um, Other teams, other coaches are saying, let's just ball. Let's just practice it and let's just fill it out. Um, And they don't want to be – they want to be on the same page, uh, not necessarily – Necessarily the right page all the time. That's the big only thing like you said, today. Practice today. be on the same page with each other in terms of offense, defense, um, you know, the focus, all that kind of stuff. So the mood, you know, it's positive. They're ready to go. Um, they did lose to Bryant in their closed scrimmage this weekend. They beat Delaware in the first scrimmage. So they have this weekend, um, you know, a mid to lower tier Ivy League team. Uh, and, you know, the, the mood is, uh, let's Just close out all the sound, block all the sound, and let's play.
0: Um, excuse me. Uh, what is the point of these scrimmages being secret and closed? I've never understood this concept. Every other sport plays exhibition games, and yet for college basketball, they're closed. I think it's just for teams
1: to to fill themselves out and to not give away too much as the season starts. Um the games aren't, you know, filmed, and uh, the doors are closed, there's no media, um, obviously things will get leaked, and, and, and people find out what happens in the scrimmages, but, uh, you know, it's just a way for them to feel each other out, and themselves out, um, the good thing about Quinnipiac is because they have so many new players that haven't played Division One college basketball before, whether that's transferring in or coming from high school, um, there's isn't a lot of tape on these guys, so... Um, you know, they play two scrimmages. I, I don't know how Dartmouth is going to be able to scout Quinnipiac because there really isn't a ton of, of tape uh, and, and things to scout them on because they just haven't played at the level. But again, the scrimmages, you know, close the doors, block the media, uh, block any fans, and let's just play and, and fill each other out. And, and let's just practice doing different sets and different rotations and, and, and not be questioned on everything, I think is kind of the point there.
0: Um, what are your thoughts on Baker Dunleavy so far? Obviously, he's an impressive man. He was impressive to me on the phone just, just talking to him. Um, what from, from I, I think you've seen some practices in person, right? For sure, yeah. Yeah. So what's his coaching um, style been like? Do the players seem engaged um, f- with with what he and the staff is trying to teach? What's been your impression for uh, first season for him?
1: He's a Fantastic teacher fantastic teacher um he will tell his players to do something and then after he will literally stop the stop the practice teach let them know what they're doing you know teaching is one of the biggest parts of coaching it's not the biggest part you can do x's and o's all day but and, and take the whiteboard out and run plays and and scream and yell but he's taking the time to teach uh you know really dissecting certain things the little things seem to be really important to him communication seems to be really important to him and, and having his players not question him all the time and trust him also seems to be a big part you know I've seen a couple of times that Cole's players will you know uh, ask him how to do this how to do this he's just like don't trust him and doesn't see the result the uh, and they look very good they look strong they look motivated uh i think he's a fantastic teacher i think he's also just a really good person it seems like uh today at media day he gave all the media you know his, you know the classic 10 minutes whatever we all the questions we needed and then afterwards a couple of us had you know one-on-one sessions with him he gave us an extra 15 minutes i mean to devote 25 to 30 minutes uh to student media uh after a long practice the film session all of it uh it says a lot uh, about who he is as a person um and again, as a coach, he just seems to be a fantastic teacher. And we'll see what what happens. He's used to winning, uh, season, which is which is great. Um, and so I think you put a lot together. And, and
0: it, it could be uh, surprising that the team could, could win a decent amount of games. What's interesting about what you said there about being a teacher, when you've got this inexperience, and obviously we'll go through the projected lineup momentarily, when you've got this level of inexperience, you're going to have growing pains, you're going to have games, where things just don't go right. Start to finish, nothing right. The talent level isn't there. The guys forget things. You get in the heat of the moment. People become selfish. Egos come out. Egos clash. Um, defense breakdowns. You you, you face better opponents who expose every flaw in the book, which you can't expose yourself in practice. What From what you can tell, do you think that he's ready for the adversity, and do you think that he's put the guys in enough situations in practice um, that that they can bounce back from. Because the thing that impresses me about young teams is, yes, we're going to lose, yes, we're going to face some problems, but they play hard every game start to finish and don't get frustrated and don't get down. Do you think he's gotten it in these guys that they can play 40 minutes every single night? Yes, I do. Uh, Yes, I do. And
1: I think... We talked about this team being inexperienced, and they are, but there are also parts of the game uh, that they are experienced. That Baker Dunleavy is used to winning. Um, Rich Kelly has won a lot in high school and in prep. Uh, and Chase Daniels and Alan Seager are, are older guys. Alan Seager is a fifth-year, so he's seen a lot. He might not have won a lot, but it's freshman year. They are one game away from the MAC championship. Uh, and Chase Daniels is a senior. So, they yeah, they are inexperienced, but they have what it takes to win, and they have got older guys on the team to help the younger guys. I think they can play 40 minutes with a lot of their teams. What's good about this team and this year is that their non-conference schedule you know, is a little tough, but also has a lot of games in there where you're like, they can win this one, and they can win this one, and they can win this one. They, they're not, they're playing a, a, a tournament in the non-conference. Uh, they're going to play Colorado, you know, they'll play a couple other solid teams, but it's not like last year where they had to play Gonzaga. Seton Hall yeah. in the State. Uh Their non-conference uh, is a little easier than in years past. I think that's going to bode well for a team like this. Uh, and I think they could only understand that growing pains are, are going gonna to happen. They're going to lose games. Uh, it's not going to be easy. Um, so, but I think he is the right guy for the job. Uh, clearly, he's a fantastic teacher, a great guy. Um, they will lose some games, naturally. and But I think they have the older pieces in there um, with Alan and Chase Daniels to help them win games uh, down the
0: stretch. I will uh, help you promote something. You you uh, told me that you have a piece coming out. I, I believe it's tomorrow on Rich Kelly, who will be the starting guard alongside. Um, uh, sorry, uh, uh, starting guard alongside Isaiah Washington. Uh, this is a three-guard look, I believe, with Cameron Young. Um, uh, 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 sorry, plus Chiga and then Chase Daniels to. Uh, uh, round up the lineup. It seems to me that if this team is, is going to play consistent basketball, Kelly and Washington have to set the pace, have to play smart basketball, and they got to use Washington's experience being a, a uh, Big Ten transfer to their advantage. I agree. I completely agree. Yeah, they're going to go three guards, a wing
1: defender in Alan Chiga, and then Shay Daniels. So, I'm sure Bigger do would like to run four guard sets around Daniels, but because of the personnel... Um, we'll see how much he does that. Now, he could put in an Andrew Robinson and a Jacob O'Gonnie in as that fourth guard, but then uh, the question becomes you know, when they face a team that has two good bigs that are tall and wide, what are you going to do? Well, then they get you going to play some Nazalai Boonders. So for now, I think you'll see Tiga in there, who's a great defender, who can shoot the three, who can play both sides really well. But again, as you said, those guards are going to have to set the tone because. Kelly's the primary ball handler. Washington has the Big Ten experience. Cam Young didn't get get an opportunity in the Tom Moore era last year. Uh, So he's going to get an opportunity and contribute to this team because he can play both ways. He is a taller guard who can shoot the three, who can drive and dish, um, who is a talented guy and came all the way from California. So he expected an opportunity last year, didn't get it, but now he's ready to contribute. I think those three guards (coughs) – Excuse me, we'll, uh, we'll set the tone. But again, it's going to be Chiga and Daniels are going to be huge too because they have the experience. Chi can play defense. Uh, and again, Daniels is just uh, an all-max 13 guy who has to step up.
0: Um, it seems to me that, that Chase Daniels can go one of two ways this year. He can continue to be a, a, a productive guy down low, we, we know that, that what Tom Moore ingrained in them was rebounding. He's a guy that can rebound. He's a guy that can be a leader. And I think and, and you would have uh, uh, sorry, you would have a better sense than I do. If you want to play professionally, especially overseas, which the Tom Moore guys did with, with some regularity, If he can take a step up this year, maybe that's a possibility and maybe surrounded by some good guards who have potential and like Washington with a Big Ten transfer uh, pedigree, maybe that's the motivating force for Daniels because obviously nobody wants to end a college career on a losing team, which this team will be, so maybe this becomes his motivation.
1: Well, here's a couple things on Chase Daniels. One, it would have been really easy for him to just say, you know, whatever, like a senior year, we're not going to do anything too much. Or, you know, once Mikey Dixon and Peter Kidd transferred it, you could, it, would have been easy for him to just throw in the towel and say, I'm only thinking about myself. Instead, or if even he could have possibly left if he really wanted to. Instead, he comes back for the senior year, he gets this new staff, sees the players around him that can play, and he seems to be a motivated guy now. They could only be said that the day the polls came out, right before the preseason poll and the all mac teams came out, that... This was, you know, obviously a huge year for him in terms of going professionally if he wanted to, but also the fact that if he doesn't play that well, he could find himself not on any team, but if he plays up to the expectation of the coaching staff, he could be an all-max first team. I, and I believe that, too. I think he is definitely uh, has the potential to be a, the best big in the league. It's actually one of the last things Tom Moore said as head coach of Jack that he would be the best big man in the league this year, and I believe it. Um,
0: if he can cut down the fouls, he's got the potential to. For the, that that's been my thing with Chase Daniels and and a bunch of these guys is that they got themselves in some stupid foul trouble last year.
1: Yeah, they did. They did. Well, I, honestly, Chase's thing will be uh, fishing it out for open looks in the corners on the elbows for other guys. He's going to get his. You know, he's going to have to get his sixteen and ten or eleven. Yeah. But uh, what I'm looking forward to is, can he find the open look uh, once they go in and out um, to try to find some threes? You know, they're getting, people are going to double him just naturally because uh, it is going to be three or four guards around one, and, and, and teams are just going to naturally double him because he's an all-match 13 preseason guy, because he's one of the best leagues in the league, uh, and he has that reputation, that he's a senior. But he's going to get doubled inside. And can he dish out for open looks to guys, and can those guys hit shots? It's going to be a big thing. Yeah.
0: Um. A couple things. Um, depth. This team, obviously, when you don't have a lot of talent, one place it gets exposed is depth. Do they have enough depth both for the good of the team, but B, if the trend from last year transfers over and they get in more foul trouble?
1: Well, it's interesting because, you know, it seemed like they could only brought in all these guys, but Ted Marfil and Kyle can't play this year due to redshirt, so they have to sit out. So it was like, you brought in all those guys, but how many can actually play? It seems like they're only going to play nine guys, this year the five starters that we previously mentioned. You throw in the Robinson Twins. You throw in Jacob Ogoni, who's a freshman from Australia, who can shoot the rock really well. Tough guy, strong, tall, uh, motivated, just wants to play play a lot and, and win. Uh, and Adelaide Bundu, who is going to be a liability at times this year, naturally because he's only 6'6", and he's a big man. Um, and you mentioned the foul trouble. If Stage Daniels gets into the foul trouble, which he really can't afford to do, uh, for the sake of the team, then Boondoo's going to have to be in there um, as the lone big. I mean, even Alan Seagate is just as tall as him, or even a half-inch taller. So is a liability because he's a big man, but he's so short. He doesn't have that offensive of the game in terms of shooting, driving. He, he's just It's just awkward in there for him because of his height. So to answer the question about the depth, I don't know, because Allen Robinson redshirted last year, so now he's back to playing. We'll see what, how he did in the zero. off. Andrew Robinson can shoot the rock and shoot the three really well, but that's really about it. Defensively also good, but offensively doesn't bring a whole lot to the table except for shooting and, you know, you can have off nights nice all the time. Um, and, and he struggles to dribble the ball well. He just drives. He's just awkward with the ball sometimes. So they can shoot, but we'll see. And then Rigoni again, and we don't really know too much. We'll have to see him against Thorwood on Saturday. So I think the, the answer is probably not enough depth because you have inexperienced guys starting that are going to have to play a lot of minutes. Um, but but it's also to be determined because it could work out playing nine guys. But again, they have the Donahue brothers who walked on um, that I guess Donnelly who won't play uh, play at all is, you know, maybe a little bit, but he said he's probably going to play nine guys. Greg Tarker's on the bench as well as a walk-on for the fourth straight year. Um, so we'll see, but I doubt they have enough depth, depth but um, it's to be determined probably.
0: Talking with... Um uh, sorry, Dylan Fearon, who covers the uh, Quinnipiac men's basketball team for Q30. Um, a couple things. Uh, first of all, one thing, no matter what you think of Tom Moore, no matter what you think of the success or lack of success in Tom Moore, they were perennially one of the best rebounding teams in the in the entire United States of America, all 50 states and, and territories. Um... That's just the way Tom Moore was. No matter what happened with everything else, those guys rebounded. Do you think we'll see a fall off?
1: Oh, without question there's gonna be a huge fall off. And that's that's no disrespect to Shay Daniels, it's just Uswan Johnre's not logged into that yeah. team Neither is Ike You know what I mean? Neither is Jamie Jackson. It's just neither is Justin Ruddy. So <laughs> they just don't have the personnel to rebound it all because they really only have two main bigs. Daniels and Boudou and they're playing three or four guards around one uh, that aren't going to be crashing the glass as well as uh, guys on the team have in the past few years they, they only have two bigs that they're going to play the entire year and one's probably not even starting so um, there's definitely going to be huge fall off huge but expect that and that's okay and I think they can only understand that that the rebounding is going to fall off um, but that's just not his style his, his style is played, you know, Villanova play three or four guards, around one big, uh, get, get a lot of great open looks on the outside, uh, score inside and out, short passes, um, you know, score with the corners, and uh, I don't think he really cares that much if the rebounding will fall off. Now, we'll see a couple of games in it if the rebounding has fallen off and then need to bring in to win and maybe have two bigs, you know, at times in the game, but I don't think it's going to be an issue. Um, we can't expect the rebounding numbers to stay the same when it's a brand new system and they don't have the personnel to, uh, to just rebound that much.
0: This always fascinates me. Who's captain? Have they announced who's captain?
1: They don't, uh, you know, they don't announce the captain every year. If I remember, they, when they named Zy Hurst captain a couple of years ago, um, you know, he was, you know, it wasn't like there's a captain every single year. I think they was do. um, you know, when Nighthurst was named captain, he was like the second captain or third captain in, in history or whatever it was. Uh, they, don't, they don't do that. At least they don't, they don't make it public, excuse me. So I don't know um, what that plan is. If I have to pick it few Daniels, you know what I mean? Right. So there's, Who? There's, there's only so many returners on the team. Yeah,
0: exactly. Greg Parker, Who?
1: Or Greg Parker, I think, would be another good one. I don't really, it doesn't, I don't, if I'm a coach, I don't care how much you're playing. If you are a vocal guy and you're a great practice player and, and you bring the enthusiasm and um, the fire every single day, then you know maybe you're uh, so maybe Greg Tarkin is a captain, but uh, I don't I don't they don't make it public.
0: Um, the reason why I asked that is all is 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 um, is because of exactly what you said with Greg Tark sometimes it's not the guys who who plays where the most important pieces. Who is the vocal leader of this team? Who is the guy that if they have a bad two or three game stretch does stretch will say, come on guys, let's pick this up.
1: You know, if I had to pick one uh, or two, I honestly think the Robinson Twins um, are very good vocal guys. Um, loud, you know, everyone just seems to uh, attach themselves to them, just glue guys, um, really nice guys. that um, It's just easy to like them. Uh, and I think that would, you know, if they were on a bad through three game, so they're juniors, so they've seen the growing pains in the last couple of years. Uh, from just losing in the Mac corner in the first round two times in a row, from going through a head coach being fired and a new staff. I would honestly think they're were, they were two good guys. And, again, Greg Tarka um, is just a great guy and um, a vocal guy. And just want, and you can tell he wants to win, and he hates to see um, his teams lose, especially when he's not out, he can't even be out there. So it's like they're losing and he wants to be out there, but it's out of his control. So uh, I would say those three. shades a little bit too. Um, but, and then again, after, look at that. Um, after that, there's not a whole lot of returns. Um, Alan Shiga, eh, I don't know. I'd have to go with the Robinson for sure, though.
0: All right, most difficult thing I will ask you on this whole podcast. <laughs> you ready? It's,
1: it's a great question. It's a great question. Because, yeah. Um, if they do start, you know, they win their first game against Dartmouth, then they have to face UMass Lowell. That's never easy. Um, then they have to play Colorado and a couple of the tough teams down at, at Liberty. You know, we could be looking at a 1 in 4, 1 in 5 start, and we have to ask ourselves who is uh, the most guy in that locker room. So it's a great
0: question. And speaking of a 1 in 4, 1 in 5 start, here is what I was actually going to say was the most <laughs> tough question of the interview. Um, but the point you made was actually very, very, very valid, and it could be a crucial question for this team. What is a success for 2017 2018?
1: Great question. Great question. In the eyes of uh, the MAC, 10th, But in the eyes of Baker Dunleavy and his team, uh, I think they have to win a game in the MAC tournament to make it a su- success. If they're, the, uh, if they're the 10 seed and they have to play the 7 in Albany and they win and then they lose to the 2 seed, then you know what? You lose to the 2 seed, a better team. It's probably going to be Manhattan or Mammoth. And so you look at yourself and say, well, we've lost two better teams. Uh, but at least you won a game, which is a, an improvement over the last three years. So, I, I don't know if I want to put wins on there, but more than what they've had in the past, they had 10 wins last year, um, excuse me, uh, yeah, 10 wins last year, nine the year before that, so, you know, 19 and 42 in the last years. so I'd say if they got more than 10 wins, won a game in the next one, that's, that's, I don't even want to call it a success journey because it's not, it's just a step in the right direction, it's like, okay, we took a couple of steps forward, you know, um... I don't want to put success on that because if you're if they end up 13 and 17, but they won a game in the MAC tournament, is that really a success? Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know if success can be a case by case basis. Honestly, even though a lot of people would disagree with me, I think um, it could just be a step in the right direction. Is 10 plus is more than 10 wins and a win in the MAC tournament, probably.
0: So now. That leads to this question, which is, what's your prediction for 2017-2018? Here's the most interesting thing, is that they used to play 20 MAC games a year. So you play every team twice. Right. and And once at home.
1: This year, it's only 18. Quinnipiac, luckily, only has to play Iona and Monmouth once. Two of the best three teams in the conference, along with Manhattan. So they are, they got, you know, they lucked out in that regard. So I would say... I think they can get 14 wins overall, looking at their schedule. Uh, the non-conference is a little easier. Um, they play a decent amount of games at home to start of the year. I think uh, they can take up 14 wins, especially not playing Iona and Mama the second time. is huge. And then I think they can win the game in the next tournament. I think once they get to Albany and it's a 7-10 matchup, 8-9, even at 6-11, it's like you have a shot. Quinnipiac lost a 6-11 matchup to Maric, uh three years ago. Uh, as the sixth, as they lost to at the 11th. so it shows the parity in the MAC. it's a down year in the conference, I would be surprised if they ended up with the 18, even though they're projected 11th, um, I think 14 and 16, 15 and 15 maybe if they got lucky in Albany uh, and I think they can win a game uh, in Albany for sure, uh, I wouldn't bet against them in Albany, I just think Baker Albany has won so much, and won a lot of tournaments and won a lot of big games, and I think he could even coach his way uh, through uh, a MAC tournament first round game
0: just a personal question to wrap this up. Are you excited for this team? Are you excited for this season? Or in your heart of hearts, do you wish Tom was still there, Kiss and Dixon were still there, and this team had a chance to be number one or two in the MAC?
1: Well, uh, that's tricky. Uh, well, I'm, well, to answer the original question, I am very excited about the season. I love college basketball. There's nothing like it in sports. So I'm excited about that uh, starting up and, and, and being on press throw at the TD Bank Four Center, and... Um, just watching them play, and I'm excited because it's a brand new team and a brand new coach, and I want to see what they have to offer, but the second part of that is do I, would I rather, see, you know, do I want to see Peter Kiss and Mikey on the court? Of course, they're great players, and they killed it last year as individuals, um, so it would be nice to watch them play for another year, but, uh, you know, it's apples and oranges, I'm excited, for, I'm excited in both regards, uh, and in terms of Tom Moore, uh, Tom Moore was great to me in my four years, um, I owe him a lot, and uh, you know, so I wish him nothing but the best for URI, but again, big Ollivier he's also been great, and I think he's, he's a fantastic coach, um, and he's ready for the for the trials and tribulations that come uh, with coaching a, a mid-major basketball team in the MAC. Um, so, I, yeah, I couldn't be more excited. It's Saturday, it's been uh, it's been far too long since I I was in person for a basketball game.
0: So, TD has this has evidently decided not to re up on this deal, uh-huh. and right now. So the building technically has no name, but on the website it's still listed as the TD Bank Sports Center. Do I have that right?
1: Yes, you do. So uh, what I've been told is that they're just going to keep calling it TD Bank Sports Center until they get a new sponsor. So I only, so I think they, the sponsorship is no longer exists, but for some reason they're still calling it that until they find a new one. They tried Quinnipiac Sports Center, but for some reason I don't know if that uh, stayed or, or clicked or whatever. So I think they might still be using TD Bank until, uh, until they find a new sponsor.
0: Is the, is, is the TD Bank branding still up in the building? I know that the court, when they repainted it, did not contain that. Does the Correct. building Correct. still have no, it? To, right, because they know there's not going to be a sponsor anymore, but I think they're just not na- changing the name until right uh, they have a new one. The AT, there
1: are still TD Bank ATMs all around campus. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but, um... But yeah, so they, uh, they're just going to call it that until they find a new one. But I'm surprised they haven't been able to find a new one
0: yet. That that whole thing, and this could be a whole other podcast, is just fascinating to me. That for such a good building, just in terms of the actual facility, with a hockey team that has been you know close to or in the NCAA tournament every year, that was on the precipice of two national titles, they cannot find a sponsor for that building. That fascinates me.
1: It's, it's just weird, but um, and surprising that they haven't you know found one yet. But I wouldn't be surprised if in the coming weeks, coming months, that they, they announce something. But yeah, it's definitely uh, definitely a little weird.
0: So, but like when you walk up to the building, it still says TD Bank Sports Center, or have they taken the TD Bank off the actual sign in front of the bank?
1: You know. You know, I don't know. I haven't even looked. I, well, I feel like if they had taken it off, I would have I would have heard about it. I don't know if they have taken it off, but, um, again, what I was told is that they're just going to use TD Bank Sports Center until they find a new game.
0: And what's crazy, and, and, and here's the kind of inside baseball part of this, I don't think any of us students, current or alumni, actually call it that. I think, I mean, I called it the bank or the arena. Right. Well, everyone, yeah, everyone calls it the bank. That's why I think they're just going to leave it because,
1: it's just known as the bank. I feel like yeah, uh, it's just like a, it's just like,
0: that's just what you call it. You just call it the bank. Like, it's very it's one of those things, and um, this happens in uh, golf all the time, where people call events by the previous sponsor name even after the sponsor is is, is long gone. Right. Um, that that that's going to be an interesting not not cultural thing, but for for that sponsorship to work, you not only have to win over the brethren for the overall name but you now have to find a new nickname that will catch on with generations to come
1: correct it's going to be tough well what if they found another bank so then it's just too easy what if they just found Bank of America
0: maybe Chase can get the Chase people to sign on and 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 that'll be his lasting contribution uh, to the university
1: guilty wears of one stone
0: Uh, yeah seriously uh, Dylan Fearin, that was awesome. Thank you for coming on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling, and we will look forward to having you. Hey, look, if this team wins and does well and is interesting, I will have you back. For sure, yeah, yeah. We'll do it, we'll do it again
1: soon. I think, they, uh, I think they're on to something. I think they onto on something. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, I would assume, I would, if I was a betting man, I would say I'll probably be back on soon to talk about it.
0: You got it. Thanks to Dylan, and thanks to all of you for listening. We'll see you for the spring on Sunday. Here on Teeing It Up with Jeremy Showing. Thanks and good night, everybody.